This week, we're joined by Zarina Salindo to talk to us all about Girls Taking Up Space, a charity which sends Native American girls to space camp at the U.S. Space and Rocket Center in Huntsville, Alabama. A truly inspirational charity which is doing so much great work right now at a time when we really need positive stories. Absolutely. Plus, we'll get you up to date with all that's happening in the world of space flight. Please do get in touch if you have any comments about what we're talking about. And if you really want to leave us a review on Facebook or on your favorite podcast platform, that would be absolutely magnificent. But right now, please enjoy episode 37 of the Space and Things podcast. Listening to Space and Things with Dave Giles and Emily Carney. I'm Emily Carney. And I'm Dave Giles. Welcome back, Emily. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, I had the second uh, Pfizer shot last week and I was a little knocked out for a couple days, but I'm glad to report I'm doing uh, much better now and I'm a few days from being fully vaccinated. So. That is awesome. I'm very amazing. I know. I'm very happy. It's like the the light at the end of the tunnel is almost there and it's not Darth Vader with like a lightsaber this time, hopefully. So (laughs) nearly there. I love that. Um, So uh, today, as this podcast is released on Thursday, you're doing a you're doing a talk today, right? Yes, I am. I'm doing an online talk with the uh, L5 Society in Huntsville. Uh, It's a Zoom talk, obviously. But uh, it's going to be about the life and career of Gerard K. O'Neill. <laughs> Bing! And um, <laughs> I'm still putting together my uh, slides from it, but it's really just going to discuss a little bit about his life and career. And plus the new movie that we obviously covered a couple weeks back, the uh, High Frontier movie, yeah. which was excellent. So I'm going to talk a little bit about him, and I hope I don't do too bad of a job. I'm a little nervous only because if it's the uh, L5 Society, those are very... Those might be some real hardcore O'Neillians, so they probably know their stuff very good, so I hope I don't make any mistakes. We'll just put it that way. I'm not sure we really covered what the L5 Society was a few weeks back. Um, Briefly, what is the L5 Society? Because I think some people might find that interesting. Well, the L5 Society was established, I believe, in 1975 by uh, two people, uh, Carolyn Meinl and Keith Henson. It was a society based on sort of enterprising the work of Gerard K. O'Neill, who was just coming out with ideas for space settlement. The L5 Society went on for a number of years. Uh, they had a great magazine called the L5 News that had a really awesome art in it. Phil Chapman, uh, rest in peace, was the president of it for a while after he uh, was an astronaut. It was eventually consolidated with the NSI, which was the National Space Institute which was right. uh, Werner von Braun's, his group. And uh, it became the NSS in 1987. So now it's right. it's part of the modern-day National Space Society, which my blog is on there. Yeah. So it's neat to be a part of that heritage. I'm very happy about that. Yeah. And this is a good example of the grassroots communities that sprung out of that movement for the uh, Drag K. O'Neill started, which we did talk about a few weeks ago. But... It, it's great to see that this one is still going so strong. Oh, yeah. So this week, before, uh, we've got to start by getting a little bit serious. Well, actually quite a lot serious. Uh, so you may remember we, we did a panel with Mike Mullane and Christina Corp about supporting women in the space industry. And it, this is definitely something we've spoken about other times as well. 
This week, it emerged on Twitter that a well-known male science communicator who has worked with many prominent STEM organizations, including the uh, Space Foundation and Explore Mars, allegedly sexually harassed a woman spaceflight journalist via direct messages. I am not naming the alleged perpetrator because I don't wish to give him any more attention, and his name has been widely bandied about on social media regarding this incident. Uh, This also follows a few weeks back after another prominent and successful female space journalist was ganged up on by a group of what can only be described as jealous men, and they attempted to undermine her career and even made claims that she hadn't worked on projects which she clearly had. In fact, dormant Twitter accounts for old documentaries had to be reopened just to tweet their support for the journalist and confirm that she did in fact work on them. We have had enough. This has to stop. So this weekend, we have after this, we have seen a number of women in space industries and STEM share similar stories, some of whom have now left the space industry as a result. And this includes Emily, who wrote an incredibly powerful blog telling her story and how it has impacted her life since. The old boys club has to end, and younger men who strive to exist within this world need to know that this is not an option available to them. We spoke to both explorers Mars and the Space Foundation to find out what they intended on doing about this man who they have employed. Explore Mars accepted his preferred resignation and released a statement saying they do not tolerate harassment of any kind. We have also been told that he will no longer be working for the Space Foundation, although their public statement was more vague than this. Uh, They didn't name him and instead posted the following. Every person deserves respect. Our success as an organisation depends on people striving to be their best, professionally and personally. We demand high standards of ourselves and one another, and when those standards are not met, we act by reviewing, addressing and learning so that Space Foundation can continue to be the preeminent advocate for the global space community. Now, in my mind, that's quite a weak public message with regards to this. Uh, I think it's time that both individuals and corporations alike take firm stands uh, and call out this behavior properly. Uh, Each and every man including myself in this, uh, needs to start thinking about his actions and changing them accordingly. It's not like this is a new conversation that we're only just learning about. It's not like this conversation only started because of Harvey Weinstein. This has been going on for too long, and we're all guilty of it in some form of bad behavior or the other, and we have to stop it now. Yeah, this week has been sort of a emotional roller coaster for not just me, but for I think a lot of, I think everybody in the community. Even if you're not a victim, even if you're a man who who isn't doing these things now, it's not easy to read this stuff and it's not nice knowing that it's happening, but we need to know it's happening and it's so brave of these these women to come and speak their truths to us and and let us know that it's happening and who's doing it so that we can make these changes. I've seen some posts about the fact that people think that those who have been accused are being bullied uh, which is just nonsense because the guy, the guy even admitted that he did yeah. it. The screenshots and then he admitted he did it. It's not being bullied to say, to then ask their employer, "What are you doing about this?" It's that's not bullying. Yeah, uh, that's that's what needs to happen now. I've always felt, and I'm sure people will have a wide variety of, of opinions about what I'm going to say. I've always felt that sexual harassment is a full, form of bullying. I don't even think it's about sex. 
to be honest. Um, I never have in my whole life. It's usually about, okay, I have this power. I'm in a senior position over you. Now I'm going to do this to you and you're not going to say anything about it. And mm. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and you're just going to be in that lower position and I'm just going to keep doing this. That's what it's about to me. It's about power. You know, it's about holding something over somebody else's head. So, um, yeah, when people say, oh, that's bullying, you know, I'm sorry. It's the other way around. The person getting harassed is being bullied. That, to me, is what sexual harassment or, you know, in worst cases, assault is about. It's about, okay, I have this thing to hang over your head and blackmail you with now. And, you know, that's how it is, you know, and I'm I'm real. Oh, God, <laughs> I'm real sick and tired of hearing like we must do better. I'm real sick and tired of that. I know people who say that have good intentions and I'm not trying to attack them or anything like that, but I'm real sick and tired of hearing that because the people who are doing the harassing need to do better because I see, and we're about, you know, this is really a heavy intro to the next story we're about to do. There's a ton of wonderful, positive things going on in the space community right now. You know, you've got people supporting all sorts of incredible causes that are helping out students and of all ages you got you know civilian astronauts going to space which is you know something we wouldn't wouldn't have imagined you know even a decade ago you know we there's a lot of great things that are going on you know we're coming out of kind of a difficult period in the world right now world history you know there's a lot of good stuff you know, and a lot of people in the space community are doing incredible things. You know, you got to give credit where it's due. And I'm sick of hearing, oh, we all have to collectively do better. We are doing great. I think we're doing great as a community. It's just these few people who are bullies, in my opinion, who are screwing up. They need to do better. I, I'm so sick of hearing that, you know, oh, we all need to band together and do better. That to me is an excuse. I'm sorry. I, I feel like Yep. If you're out there listening to this and you know you're guilty of this kind of stuff, snap out of it. You know, get help. Admit it to yourself and try to get help for it. You know, do better. And that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, absolutely nailed it. And, and and that's that's why I want to see firmer reactions from uh, the corporations as well who who hire people who who make these mistakes. And when it comes out about it, it's why I sent the messages to to Explore Mars and the Space Foundation was hoping for strong uh, messages that that will let other men know this. You don't do this. You don't do this. This isn't a thing we want in our industry or in any industry. This is done. This has got to be done. This isn't bigger than just the space world as well. This is yeah. everything. It's got to be done. It's about Men, we've got to start looking at, each, at our own behavior and saying, no, I, I need to stop this. I need to stop the, if, even if it's, even if you think it's a casual joke, uh, that means no harm, it probably does. You know it. I mean, I think that's the worst thing about about this. Even before this guy did said what he said, he said this might be a little bit inappropriate. He knew what he was yeah. doing. He knew exactly yeah. what he was doing. He knew, and and we do know what we're doing. We know it's wrong, so we've got to stop it. Uh, so yeah, this is a this is a heavy opening to this podcast, but we're going to follow it up with what we think is a very very positive story. Absolutely, let's do it. Last week, Dave mentioned that we held a charity event last Tuesday in the Space Hipsters Facebook group, which raised nearly $6,000 for a charity called Girls Taking Up Space, which sends Native American girls to space camp in Huntsville. 
in an effort to try and encourage more girls into careers in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And so this week, we are joined by the founder, Serena Salido, to talk more about what they do and why it's so important. When you were a little girl growing up in Akron, Ohio, did you say, gee, I'd like to be an astronaut someday? No, I really didn't think about it until about four years ago when NASA announced that they were looking for astronauts who would be uh, engineers and scientists on the space shuttle. And it was accidental that I heard about it, and I just took a chance and applied. So welcome, Serena. Thank you so much for joining us on Space and Things. It's a real pleasure to have you on. Uh, so please do just give us an introduction about taking up space. How did it start and, uh, and what were the aims? Hi, thank you for having me. And congratulations. I looked at it's been eight months now since you started the podcast. Has it been that yeah. long? Wow. I think it's been. So you guys are on your third quarter. So congratulations, guys. Yeah. It's almost been a year. Thank you. And we're still going and we're yeah. doing good. Have so, a missed yeah. a week. Thank you. <laughs> yes. uh, so Taking Up Space is a um, outreach program. And it started from the uh, nonprofit that I started, which is called Time and Cosmology. And a couple years after we started that, we were looking for an outreach program. And I live in Tucson. Oh, and I have to say... Um, being in Tucson, I live on ancestral land that belongs to the Tohono O'odham and the Basquayaki, and I just want to thank our ancestors for having my house here on their land. I always forget about the ancestral recognition. But yes, so being here from Tucson and being on um, basically uh, Native American land, we just sort of started thinking, like, how? what can we do? How can we make an impact? And it just sort of all happens. We went down to, there's a beautiful mission here called San Javier. And we went down there and they told us, you know, down the street is an educational area, an educational clubhouse and a Basquayaki education. And so we went down there and I talked to the clubhouse uh, director and he's like, sure, go ahead. So, and what I was looking for was to start a program for girls, Native American girls to learn STEM. And we started having a girls day at the clubhouse once a week. Awesome. So that's how it all began. And, and, and how long ago was that? It's, uh, we're going on five years this year. Oh, wow. Congratulations. And, and at what point did you decide that you wanted it to be bigger than it is and more people to know about it and that you had bigger plans than just that weekly meeting? Well, it started actually, the weekly meeting was intended to go for the girls to go to space camp. Right. Um, and it wasn't necessarily that way. When I got to the Basquayaki tribe, I <clears throat> started First off, it was get it was hard to get girls to come in. So we had, you know, we started off with maybe two girls coming in, and this is just an after school clubhouse with computers, and all the all the girls would normally do is just come in and you know play on their computer. So after a couple of weeks of going, there started to be more girls, and more girls started to show up. And our whole intention in the beginning was to start uh, a program to get them to space camp. So when I started working with them, I realized that they didn't have very much of a science background at all. You know, hypothesis was not a word in their lexicon. <laughs> so no experiment or anything. So it turned out from being something small to getting more girls at the uh, club and then it becoming uh, bigger when we started realizing when I realized how much it cost to do this program. It's very expensive to go to Huntsville. It's one of the most expensive um, airports to land in. And also space camp is about a thousand bucks. So it started becoming bigger. And when I saw the need for funding, 
that's when we started kind of going grassroots. And I applied for so many grants <laughs> and I tried to get sponsorship, but it was just, I just couldn't get hold of any, but word of mouth, when we talked to people like Emily and like Lois about it, they're like, this is so cool. And they wanted to help. So I was able to get people excited about it, but not um, corporations or anything. So that just, it sort of started kind of trickling and getting a little bit bigger and bigger. Right. What age range are the students and are the girls? The students are nine, 10, and 11 and 12. So it's that age right before they go into um, junior high. As many of you have probably heard, girls going into junior high lose their interest in STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, mathematics. So originally we started the program since we knew that the girls lose interest in junior high. We thought, oh, let's get the junior high girls to come in and keep their interest. But that wasn't the case because by that time, the girls were too uninterested. And so we had to move the age group a little bit younger so that way we can get them right before they hit that age so that we can get them excited about science and math and technology and engineering. And that way, when they hit that crucial junior high stage, they will already have um, the confidence to keep going and hopefully the love of it and seeing how science and math and technology, it's everywhere. It's everything. It's, you know, it's all over if we just look at it. So, yeah. Absolutely. And how many girls so far have you sent to space camp? Uh, so we've had five girls go so far. Amazing. And the pro, yeah. So this year we're doing seven and five. We, the most we've sent is three or four. I can't even remember. So we're doubling it this year. Amazing. And, um, wow. Yes. And it's been small because of the ages, because of the money and finding kids at first to have. Uh, parents trust to for someone that they don't know <laughs> taking their little nine-year-olds across the country to Alabama, which isn't known necessarily for the best. Um, how we should we say it? Uh, Open-mindedness, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Social values. Diversity. Yeah. So it took a lot to get people to trust, and now um, it's it's just growing. And so now that trust is kind of already embedded into the program since we've done so far. So we haven't lost a kid yet. <laughs> that's awesome and i'm guessing you get the testimony right back from the, the the kids who then talk to their friends and that becomes a bit of a word of mouth and then uh, you probably have more people applying for those spaces now right a few we've had a little bit more interest but still still in in the native american community you have some communities that are a bit more closed off and some that are a bit open and we opened it up to the U.S. and we had a lot of kids coming in, but in Tucson, there was actually few sign up, and there's still not that much of a. There's still this sort of sense of, of um, outsider coming in. So there's still work to do to gain more trust in the tribes, especially with the Basquayaki, which are here. Uh, next spring, I'm going to work with the Tona Odom, which is a different tribe, different culture, different customs, and we'll see how that goes. But um, it's not as easy as you would think to get girls to accept, you know, a scholarship and to fly across the country. They're just very young and it's hard to, to gain that trust. I have to say it's something that you have to work for when you're working in this type of community, especially I feel. I just wanted to ask because um, obviously, and I'm not trying to plug my own group too much, but uh, obviously, we had the fundraiser last week uh, in Space Hipsters uh, where we 
uh we had some awesome prizes and stuff and as a collective we raised some money for girls taking up space it's a I don't like to toot our own horn too much, but we, we love the cause and we think it's awesome. And we, uh, we're really honored to help with the cause. But uh, I do want to ask, because uh, some people might not be aware, these kids really have to work hard to actually go to space camp. It's not like we're just like, yeah, let's go on a vacation or something. Like, you know, it's not, I don't want people to think that. What do they have to do to get to space camp? I know they have to work, they have to work towards that goal. What, what's yes. that like? They have to, and, and the reason mostly why it started to work through that goal is because when I first, so I went to space camp and as an adult, and that's part of the story is why uh, taking up space started was I went and I was having, you know, not that great of a time in life and I got there and it was like, well, happy place. It was, you know, there was nerds and science and tech. And not only that, but you got to do a lot of team building exercises. So I gained a lot of confidence coming out from the program, just being there for a week. So, but I didn't know a lot of NASA stuff. I didn't know all the terms like auxiliary and, you know, and, and, um, uh, rocket fuel and, and the boosters. And I had no idea, you know, STS, any of that. And I realized most people did in my group, and they had a way better understanding. And if I would have came into space camp, even as an adult, with more understanding of space and the terms, I would have had, I think, I would have gotten more out of it. So when I figured that out through myself, we thought, we I need to give these girls a background so that way when they get there, they can take advantage of it and not be at a disadvantage. So for the past year, the girls, first for the first 16 weeks, they were taught coding. And that came out because of um, COVID. There was a young 16-year-old girl who wanted to start a nonprofit. She heard about our work and she contacted me and she said, will you help me do, you know, do this curriculum and be mentor for the girls? So we did that all during COVID. And that's when we got all our girls from across the country, um, only one from Arizona. And she is um, Navajo Dine. And once again, not Pasco Yaki. And they've been training now, so they passed their coding, and their coding, the way they ended that was we had 83 girls. At the end, about seven stayed, eight stayed, and they did a hackathon. It was a 24-hour hackathon, and the girls were up until 10 at night. They were up at 6 p.m. or 6 a.m. When I got there, they were already working, and these girls were just working hard for their goal, and one of the girls was actually featured on the hackathon. So these are the ones that ended up going to pick to go to space camp. So they've already showed their commitment and they've already shown their drive. So now that I've been working with them from the coding program with just doing aerospace is, is mostly STEM and aerospace. Um, oh, we've done a three-pronged program and we start with STEM. We have a, a speaker come in usually because I don't know very much about STEM and there's people who know a lot more than me. And there are female speakers who are also native um, ancestry, like, um, oh gosh, Penny, Penny from Paycom. Uh, she, at NASA, she talked to the girls. Um, Brielle Thorson is a mathematic uh, graduate student, an engineer, and also she is Native American, and she talked to the girls about engineering and the laws of motion with Newton and forces of uh, normal force and gravity. So each week we had half an hour of STEM, 
And then we switched over to a dance break to get the energy out and also to gain confidence because dancing can be a little bit, oh, you know, you can get, you can be a little bit self-confident in the dance break. Yeah. Is to kind of get them more confident about themselves and their bodies. And then we do our native American stuff. And that has to do with, we either do stories. We have guest speakers come in and do a story time, some native American um, creation stories. We do drawings. One of the girls has their father or grandfather is an artist and he drew this really cool rock art animal posters and the girls followed them in. And so we incorporate STEM, some body positive, some confident building, uh, team cooperation with the girls, and then the Native American um, history for them. So that, that's, <laughs> so that's it's awesome. a long program. They worked really, really hard. Oh, and then at the end, oh, they uh, got to do a presentation and they showed what they liked out of the whole course, uh, what they've learned, who their favorite speaker was, and then they had to do an experiment. We are working on a free fall experiment to be either sent on the vomit comets or to oh, wow. be sent up to the ISS. And we're working, uh, partnering with um, Possum Group. I don't know if you've heard. Yeah, about I've Possum heard of them. Group. Project Possum. Yes, they are they are sending one of their first civil astronauts up that was trained through them. And so we're working on a experiment with them to go up there, either with, you know, ISS or um, Vomit Comet. And hopefully some of the girls will be old enough and uh, tall enough to go and actually do the experiments. Um, with the possum group. And that's how we ended it. This is Nicole Stott came in and judged the presentations and she picked the top three experiments. So next semester, that's what we're all doing. We're focusing and refocusing on um, our experiment to go up, hopefully to the ISS that's or on the comet. Just amazing. That's awesome. Amazing. That is awesome. That's really what this is all about. You know, it How, really is. Yeah, I mean, th th those students must be so inspired by by this. You know, having Nicole Stock come in at the end and uh, an astronaut who's actually been to space. I mean, that must be amazing. If 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 I was nine, ten, eleven, that would have meant a huge amount to me. And that is something I want to go back to because as Emily talked about this, we had these great prizes for for at this event oh, that yes. Space Hips has put on. Does it land with the kids that Senator Jack Schmidt, who walked on the moon, has donated prizes to help them go to space camp? Are they aware of how the magnitude of that? That's so huge. I'm getting, ugh, I'm getting teared up I thinking about don't this. Think, yeah, I don't think they're aware of the magnitude. I don't think they can actually... I mean, these girls, some of the girls haven't been on a plane before. You know, they haven't left reservation. So... I think once they get to space camp and start experiencing the magnitude of it, because even the campus yeah. is huge, plus to have these astronauts and senators, I think I don't think they can quite grasp it yet. And I'm hoping um, after this experiment experience at space camp, um, they're going to start kind of getting it a little bit more because they they freaked out when they saw themselves on um, a news story the other day, and I showed it to them. They're just like. So it's not yet. I think they're too young and not experienced enough to see it. But once they get to space camp and see just how enormous the space world is and just to see it, I think that's going to be the time when it's going to start hitting yeah. them. And let me see. Okay. So 
Emily, you didn't want to toot your own horn, but Space Hipsters, our last uh, fundraiser, we made close to 6000 It was $5,700. And wow. that is mind-blowing. That's the most that we've gotten in any donation. You know, I think the biggest one before that was 3000 This was 5000 bucks, 5700 bucks that we've got. And that's all thanks to community. I guess with this year, we it's been pretty tough for us, and we haven't received any funding from um, tribes or bank anything. So this has just been grassroots. So thank you to you guys because we wouldn't be able to send the seven oh, girls, and that always. would have been so disappointing no to only have to send half or two. Or I mean, it would have been okay, but this is big. <laughs> this is special. Seven girls who've never met each other, training for a year, going to space camp for the first time meeting each other and just seeing the normality of it. And I could tell them about um, all the, everyone who's donated, like, like I could point out, you know, this guy in the moon <laughs> who became a Senator gave money. So you could be here. It's, it's going to have to take that for them to like, like me blow my mind. I'm, my mind is blown every day. If yeah. you here today with you guys, I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank no you. No problem. Yeah, uh, here's uh, I'll I'll uh, turn it back over to Dave if he has any other questions. But the thing with oh god, now I'm gonna start crying. <laughs> I didn't as a kid, you know, I loved space flight, but um, I came from kind of a lower middle class family. We didn't, I didn't have the money to go to space camp or to do something like that. And as an adult, having been to Huntsville uh, only recently in the last six months, really, you know, I was just like, oh my god, this place is like paradise. You know, it's like amazing and. I didn't have that experience as a kid, but if I could give it to another kid in a even in a small way, you know, just by getting the word out like, hey, we're doing this for girls taking up space and stuff like that. Uh, that to me is like even better than if I had gone as a kid, because I'm like, OK, give it to somebody else so they can love that experience. So, yeah, that means a lot to me. Yeah, likewise. I also grew up, uh, I didn't even know space camp existed until I was an adult and I got to do a NASA social. And so, and that's what I found out about it. So I also grew up poor and grandpa and I used to go out and look at the stars and it just sort of growing up in Tucson and having these big skies, you just see oh, so many stars that you just get inspired. And if you're low income, you, there are school programs you can go to. And so I went to a couple of school programs and I remember them and I remember the speakers and I remember, you know, being picked to go up on stage when I was like six, you know, so they, they, they had an impact on me, but I messed up and I got into, you know, high school, drugs, alcohol, partying, didn't do well in college. It took 10 years to get through, to get um, my philosophy and physics degree. And I want to save girls from the path that I went. I saw the good stuff, like the programs, uh, science, math, and, and having math in my background as a little kid growing up and being strong at that made me go back to school and go into physics. Had I not had that, I could have gone into physics, you know, when I was older and it still stayed. So I don't want these girls to follow my path. <laughs> I want them to avoid all of the bad things that I did and all the horror. And Emily, you know, to have the, the courage and the confidence to stand up to, to men too. Because this STEM world is yeah. still, you know, it's still a men-oriented world. Yeah. And these girls are brown. They're gorgeous. They're smart. And so to give them this confidence to say like, 
back off or yeah. no, or I'm going to, this is my, I'm taking up space and I'm going to be in this class. I don't care if I'm the only brown one or the only female in here. Exactly. I'm going to stay in here and be here and have confidence in myself. Cause I know even if I fail, I'm here and I tried. So it takes a, thank you, Emily. Thank you for uh, paving the way for these girls oh, too. Gosh. Thank you. I'm getting emotional as hell now. Thank you. Whoa, God, no. Okay. <laughs> I think it's an enormous cause. And like you said, you know, I think it's very positive for young, you know, young women to do something like this, you know, especially as you said, you know, the, the STEM community, unfortunately, we've seen that it is still kind of male dominated, not to gang up on Dave or anything like that. But we've seen that, you know, there's still inequities and to have, you know, a young woman sort of say, OK, I'm here to do something and, you know, in math or science or STEM or what have you, you know that's still sort of a, a big like power statement, you know, not even nowadays. So I just think it's an incredible cause. I love it. I just say even uh, men like Dave who are here supporting and are allies for women. Or allies, that's yeah. More important or just as important because, you know, I am female and I run this program and we help females. I could see a lot of men thinking like, what about the boys, you know? So for me to have a male allies helping us shows that these are these are the guys that we want these are our allies like we need the strong men standing up for for us until we can get that equity you know until we could get that balance and so day we weren't we you are awesome and we need men like you to support us you know just Absolutely. to have our back just to be there for us and be like you know what? I'm going to call up Dave and see what he thinks about this you know see if this is me or so thank you thank you to all the men who support us mm. But it is different for us. It's just easier. <laughs> and what I mean by that is since I was born, I've been bombarded by images. For example, the Apollo astronauts, or the majority of astronauts in general, are men. It's always been there. And we can't go back and change that. That's what it's like. If we're talking about the Apollo program, it's all men. And as a result, I've never had to worry about whether I belong in space or science or or flying, it's just always been there for me as an option uh, if I wanted to pursue it. And I think that's what's so important about this, and we have to acknowledge that as men, that we may not necessarily have thought about that at the time, may not have been in this something we actually thought, oh, there's a man, I can do this. But it's subliminal messaging. And I think that's what's so great about this program is that those seven girls going, it's not just about them coming back and realizing, okay, this is this is for me. I belong here. They come back and they tell their friends or their families, hey, I did this and I belong here. And I, I took up that space and I owned it and it was mine. And that is just as powerful or more powerful than the experience for them. And that's why this is so good. So I do have one other question. Um, if people want to find out more, where can they find out about Girls taking up space, and do you, uh, keep updates of what's going on, and the, the where can we find out about how the girls are progressing? You can get more information at taking-up-space.org. Uh, we try to update it. Um, it's always a challenge, but on Facebook and on Twitter, try to keep that updated so people can go ahead and, and log in. It's taking up space um, at taking underscore. Uh, underscore space on Twitter. 
and uh, girls taking up space on Facebook. And so we try to keep it updated and uh, we're working on keeping the website a little bit more updated. There's a lot going on. On Saturday, we are going to a crafts fair and there's going to be a bunch of Native American uh, Americans doing beading and shawl work and there's going to be fry bread and it's going to, and we're going to be doing STEM experiments. So there's lots going on that we're doing just to keep word out. And, and so people know that we're here, like you said, to spread the word and get other people inspired like you did when you were a kid and watching those, those astronauts fly up there. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's good to see that, you know, we, we've talked about this a few times, you know, the Artemis program is 50, 50 gender split yes. of the astronauts. And it's so important. It's so important. And it must be great for, for, for the girls who go to space camp, be it for your program or other girls or girls who are just interested in space to have those role models, to have someone like Nicole Stott as well, who's so good mm-hmm. with her out, outreach herself. Mm-hmm. To people, those people to look up to and heroes and their own heroes uh, and to be able to connect with them on social media, for example, all those avenues that now exist. And we've got to make sure that it happens and that these connections are made and, and that, that, that the young girls are aware. This is an option for me if I want to do yeah. that. Uh, and that's what this is all about. So uh, thank you very much for joining us. Thank and you to, so much for this sharing so much this story with us uh, and giving us the, uh, more information about how it started and, and, and why. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. And uh, we wish you all the best with it. And uh, you've got you've got yeah. lifelong supporters in, in Emily and I, that's for sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And we'll we'll definitely uh, keep our listeners as well updated as to, you know, uh, what you guys are doing and things like that because uh yeah we just we just love what you're doing so thank you so much thank you thank you all and thank you for uh space upstairs and for having me on here at space and things um i wish you all to the best of success on this podcast this is awesome you two together i was like yeah this is a good power team i love it thank you for having me on i'm very excited thank you so much thank you I absolutely loved that, Emily. What a great interview that was. I loved it. It was incredible. It, I love all the things that they did over lockdown. You yeah. know, I think a lot of us over lockdown, including myself, have just felt like, man, I do not feel motivated, you know, to do much. You know, and emotionally, it's been hard for, I think, everybody. I can't speak for others, but I think we've all had our moments of, man, I, this sucks, you know, and to hear, you know, Zarina talk about we've been meeting up online and we've been doing coding and we've been doing this hackathon and all this really cool stuff that they've been sort of doing the last year. So it's just it's just really it's inspiring as heck, man. It's very motivating. And I'm just I'm so glad that seven girls are going. This is going to be awesome. That that's just fantastic. I, this story just makes me smile and it's definitely what we need to hear this week. You know what, Serena though, she's just so lovely. After we finished, we had such a long chat with her. She was, you know, she's so genuine, and she's genuinely interested in us and what we do. And she's just one of those good people in the world, isn't she? That that we need more of. Uh, yes, yeah, we need more people like Serena. Uh, we definitely do. She's a very authentic person. You know, she she genuinely cares about what she's doing and other people and. You know, and you could, it just radiates. So it's, it's, she's awesome. I just, I love her to death. Uh, she's a friend. I'm a little biased, but I just love her to death. I think she's incredible. So, and I'm really glad we could 
we could help them out. I just that that's just woof. I'm still buzzing from that event. It was about a week ago, but I'm still like buzzing about it. It was awesome. Yeah, and and I did win the quiz. No, no. Uh... Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did win the quiz. Um, you know what's funny, and I'm getting very off topic. So if you have to cut this part out of the show, I completely understand. I think we've got but time. my husband watches a lot of British quiz shows, like um. I think countdown and stuff like nice. that. He he's obsessed with shows like that. I was saying, I was like, man, British people love quizzes, man. Dave <laughs> won the quiz last week and Steve was like watching countdown and it hit me. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I'm just surrounded by British or quasi great British people from great Britain. <laughs> yeah. Steve's part Scottish. So it different area, but still we do love a quiz. I was about to say, you people, uh, you people, that sounds so awful. Yeah, I know us people, we do. <laughs> Y'all love quizzes because Steve is obsessed with quizzes. And I was like, people with that heritage just love a damn quiz, man. And they're good at it, too. So the, pu- the pub quiz is a staple in, in, uh, in, the, in the weekly calendar. So most public houses or, or bars have a, have a weekly pub quiz. Uh, it's, it's a really common thing. Like, and, and, the, and the pubs know you put one on, people turn up. It's a, it's a big deal. It's funny. Okay, I'm going to say this and then we can move on yeah. because I'm way off topic. Uh, Steve and I went on our honeymoon to London and I swear to God, he was at the pub quiz <laughs> like that those two weeks. And I'm like, what the frick is he doing? He's like, dude, they're doing quizzes down here. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, people from the UK uh, are with that heritage and their quizzes. It's a thing. It is a thing. It runs deep because I was like, what the hell is he doing? I'm like in the hotel room like chilling he's like i was doing a quiz downstairs because they had a pub downstairs so i was like oh my god so i'll drop it now i'm so sorry i went way off topic it's amazing i love it i absolutely love it can't wait to meet steve anyway uh getting back on topic for those who do want to find out more about girls taking up space and serena's project uh we will post all the links you mentioned in our show notes also they've just announced some uh, new t-shirts and merchandise so we'll post a link for that if you want to get involved uh also there will be uh, a link to emily's article which we mentioned earlier which uh, I'm going to say again, uh, is a really powerful read. And Emily sent me a message saying that she was inspired and she went, oh, screw it. I'm going to write it down. And within two hours that was posted. I can't believe you did that. It's, it was incredible. Uh, so I, I'm bringing you. it back around to what we talked about earlier because I think it's important that people read that article. And thank you so much for sharing it, Emily. No problem. Yeah, it had to. It was time for it to come out. Let's, should we get on with the news and sport then? Absolutely. Let's do it. You know, I think it's a wonderful time for human spaceflight because I think we finally recognize that it's not worth going unless we go together. That it's important to not turn away any innovative idea. That everyone has a role and everyone has a place at the table as we move forward. If we're going to go for all humanity and to support humanity's love for exploration, then we have to do it with all humanity. And I think we're seeing that as our plans unfold for going back to the moon, seeing the first woman walk on the moon in 2024, and just recognizing recognizing that we have to go together if we're going to go and we're going to do it right. And so, on to this week's spaceflight news. There have been two launches. Last Thursday, the 6th of May, a Long March 2C-E rocket launched from China, releasing some a couple of different satellites, including a commsat named Apocalypse 12, <laughs> which is part of the Apocalypse Constellation Network. 
What the hell? And I think that this leads us into <laughs> another Chinese story from the last week, which was certainly reported as if it could have been an apocalypse. In the early hours of Sunday morning, the core stage of a Long March 5B booster, which launched the new Chinese space station in orbit last week, re-entered into the atmosphere over the Arabian Peninsula. The U.S. Space Command reported that it was uh, unknown if the debris impacted land or water, but some space analysts have suggested it fell into the Indian Ocean north of the Maldives. This story seemed to take over the entire internet last week. (laughs) It was everywhere. (laughs) And I suppose it's a good thing to get the world talking about responsible space flight. Yeah. I was getting phone calls from people that had never met called me about space stuff before. What do you think about this Chinese satellite? Is it going to land on us? I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was making bets with people because people were like, is it going to fall on land? Is it going to fall on land? And I, and I was like, I guarantee it'll probably land in water because most of the Earth is water. And at one point, it looked like I'm not making this up, y'all. <laughs> At one point, it looked like it was going to come over Florida and possibly impact. And I was like, oh, my God, of course, it's going to come over my my where I live. And I was actually kind of like, well, I'll see it. I'll get a light show. That'll be kind of yeah, cool, yeah. right? It, you know, maybe I can call like CNN at like 2 a.m. and be like, I see it, you know. <laughs> I'll be famous or something, but it didn't happen, unfortunately. As, as much as I do think, as, as you said, I think it is nice that the world gets talking about uh, responsible safe flight, space flight, and and certainly China need to to up their game on that a little bit. The hysteria about this was blown up a little bit in my mind. Yeah, I thought yeah, so. Jonathan McDowell uh, on Twitter, who who's kind of the expert on on these kind of things, his Twitter profile yeah, was amazing. Awesome. He was he was asked to do interviews for every single news station in the world, I think, and his both both his commentary of what was happening. Uh, and also how many interviews he was having to do was really quite something. His Twitter profile was 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 a delight last week. Um, but yeah, what a, what a crazy story. But everyone's safe. It's a shame. It obviously such a big thing has ended up in the water and probably hurt some wildlife there. But alas, that's the way it seems to be uh, for now. But yeah. hopefully that will get sorted. So exactly the other launch was. You guessed it, a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket from Cape Canaveral carrying some more Starlink satellites. Seems like every week that is one of the launches. However, this is the first time that the first stage of that rocket has been reused and safely landed 10 times, which is quite the milestone. And actually, I'm beginning to wonder how many of these flights can these things actually do safely? I'm not sure if that number's been put out. Like, What is the lifespan of these first stages? Um, If anyone knows, please do let me know, because I I did a little Google on this. I'd like to know, too. It didn't reveal anything that could answer that question i actually watched that one from uh it was like in the it was at like 2 two forty nine, i think a.m uh where i was at oh, nice. and uh I, I it was clear so i was like well and i couldn't sleep so i was like i might as well just watch the launch so i went outside and watched it it wasn't as beautiful as the crew two launch only because we didn't have the sunrise yeah. kind of hitting it but it was still pretty awesome because I'm just chilling and all of a sudden I see like this flaming orange, you know, arrow. And I was like, oh, that's it. There it is. You know, so that that was kind of cool. I, I, It's nice to be able to see that stuff. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's, it was kind of it was kind of neat. Yeah, I'm very jealous of that. It was it was neat. I, I'm not I'm you know, I'm not going to brag too much. No, <laughs> Dave's like, please shut up. 
All right. In other news, the OSIRIS-REx probe has said goodbye to the asteroid Bennu and is bringing its sample back to Earth. Uh, you may remember us being very excited about this back in Episode 8 all those uh, weeks ago, months ago, where we recorded just after watching the probe high-five the asteroid to take its sample. Uh, if all goes well, the, pro- the probe will rendezvous with Earth uh, in September 2023 and deploy the sample capsule which should land in the Utah desert. But first, it has to travel another 1.4 billion miles. That is so freaking cool. Isn't it? 1.4 billion neat. miles, and then they're going to put it in the Utah desert. You know, such pinpoint accuracy. It's amazing, isn't it? That is incredible. Yeah, that when I read that, it really did make me smile. It's going to go around the sun twice before it comes back to Earth. I just love that. Anyway, and finally... There is a launch supposed to be happening tonight after we finish recording this, but I'm a little bit conf- confused by this, and it didn't make much sense to me. So I'm going to read what I've figured out is happening, but it's a bit beyond me, right, this one, right? So it's also a rocket I've not heard of before. So this is a four-stage Black Brant 12 rocket, uh, which is which will be launching from, wall- uh, is it Wallops? Yeah, it's Wallops, uh, Wallops Island Flight Facility. Yeah, yep, Wallops. In, in Virginia. Uh, and is part of a mission called the Kinetic Scout Energy and Momentum Transport Experiment, or Kinet-X. Whew. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> it's called a sound rocket, I think. It's like a sounding a rocket. A sounding rocket. Yeah. I've, I don't know anything about what they are. Anyway, it's going to... And I need to, I need to learn about this because I've seen it before, but I still don't know. Anyway, it's going to release a vapor into the sky, creating two green-violet clouds, which may be visible for about 30 seconds to the east of the United States, if the weather is clear. Uh, it's being released between 217 and 249 miles above the Atlantic Ocean, which is... Crazy numbers. Anyway, uh, apparently this is to explore energy transport in space and to see how energy and momentum is transported between regions of space that are magnetically connected. Right. You still with me? (laughs) Because I'm not with me. That sounds cool. I've read the statement, but this science, it just just goes way over my head. Uh, I'll, of course, post the details, along with videos from this, if it goes, uh, and other launches and other related articles or links mentioned in this podcast and it's all going to be in the show notes. Just check your podcast provider or just go to our website, which is spaceandthingspodcast.com. Charlie, it might sound corny, but the view is really out of this world. Roger. We had a couple of comments in the back row that I won't repeat. So that's it for this week. Thank you again for joining us. If I've done my job properly... Then we have a new pin on sale on our website. Yes, space and pins, uh, the, new, <laughs> the new design. Uh, please go and check it out if, if you uh, would be so kind. If you're one of the first 40 Patreon subscribers, then you'll receive a special founder's pin, which is slightly different to the one that we put on sale. So we currently have 25 Patreons, so there are still 15 of these left up for grabs. So why not go and check out our Patreon page as well and enjoy the bonus content and extra things that you can get on there while also supporting us. Yes, and all of your support really means a lot. Uh, If you don't or can't sign up to our Patreon or buy a pin, we still do value you a lot. Um, And please consider hitting that share button if you enjoy what you're hearing. Uh, Thank you again to Zarina for joining us. And please do check out Girls Taking Up Space and help them out if you can. Uh, We'll be back next week with more Space and Things. But don't forget, in space, no one can hear you me. 
Space and Things has been brought to you by And Things Productions.